Welcome to the CTO Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's chief technology officers. Looking to discover what it takes to succeed as a CTO? Then sit back and relax as we explore the fascinating evolution of the world of technology leadership. Here's the host of the CTO podcast, the founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. Welcome to the CTO podcast. I'm your host and founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. Joining me today is Sanjay Segal, CEO at MSIS, which is a reliable partner for product engineering services and digital transformation projects for its enterprise and Silicon Valley clients. Emsys UX Design Studio builds products, prototypes that underline micro moments and develop optimal customer journey maps. Sanjay is also a member of the Forbes Business Council, TIE Charter member and a regular contributor to Entrepreneur, The Times of India, CNBC 18 and so on. He is a keynote speaker and heartfulness trainer and practitioner, encouraging people to be successful in an anti-hustle culture. Yesterday, Sanjay and I talked about ethics and human AI partnerships. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss industry-specific applications of AI. Okay, here's my conversation with Sanjay Segal, the CEO at MSIS. Sanjay, welcome back. Thank you, Tim. I really enjoyed yesterday's show and looking forward to this one. Hopefully, we won't get too ethereal and philosophical today as we did yesterday. (laughs) Let's hope so. I felt a little terrified after our conversation yesterday. But today, let's talk a bit about MSIS, your role as CEO. Clearly, you're also writing articles. You're thinking about things. Let's talk a little bit about industry-specific applications for AI that you're seeing and and just share share that with us. Sure, sure. Looking forward to it. And I feel at, at a higher level, now I will avoid being philosophical here, that the real use of AI in industry is turning complexity into clarity or simplicity. Or, I mean, any complex task which otherwise would take many human beings, many days or weeks to do, AI can do it a lot faster. I mean, we briefly touched upon that yesterday, how transmitting knowledge to a person could take a lot of effort. Uh, at the human level when AI can do it a lot faster. So I think that's not, if with that context, I mean, turning complexity into clarity, I mean, if you, almost every industry can use this. I mean, I think uh, I was reading somewhere, I think some report they were talking about that AI could uh, get to, into the translation business or the translation work now itself and translation into any language. And then they were talking about writing this is some industry report. So they're talking about writing high school essays, which are, as you know, in, in especially in U.S. Uh, university, that's a whole new industry. I mean, there's a whole big industry, not new. I mean, that industry has been around. It's a big industry of writing high school essays, right? And that, like in a couple of years and driving, you know, trucks or cars or autonomous vehicles are here around the corner in retail. And they were even talking about something very peculiar they wrote they, in the report. They said, writing a best-selling book by 2049, uh, AI would you know, reach a level where you can write a best-selling book. I wondered about that, why they picked that. Because I think it's, it's much harder to do 
or working as a surgeon by 2050 or 52 or something like that. I mean, these are some of the complex tasks that they predict AI could get into. But I think here and now, I see there are areas like cybersecurity. I mean, it's a perfect, we already are using levels of intelligence. We are using machine learning in that. Now, a generative AI being used in those kind of applications can really protect us as human race, as human beings, at workplaces, at our homes, and everywhere else. And making the right, I mean, you talk about, you work with many companies and help CTOs in the field of human resources or resource or human HCM, human capital management. AI can really help us with that. Automate the whole recruitment process. I think a lot of this keyword optimization, I mean, all these things are already in use. So we can go several steps further to optimize our capital resources here. And the e-commerce, I mean, we already have recommendation engine, inventory management, all those things we already have. Now, see the next level of that. Yeah, I was thinking uh, on the e-commerce side, I was thinking of websites. Like, why do I need to have a, like right now you have a website that has a certain best practice for a sitemap. Why can't the website just be generated for whatever it is I need at, at the at the website. Like it's almost like this whole movement towards personalized, customized content that just removes, you know, you know how in the UI design we're like, how can I remove one click from the five clicks, you know? And it's this is just one giant what is it that you need to know about company X? And you can just say, well, just cut to the chase. What is the pricing? And it's Custom generated websites based on who you are or what you want to know. Absolutely. I think today, right now, I I see many sites have started implementing a version of chatbots which will answer those questions. You have to ask those questions. I mean, today you want to know revenue of a company, you can get to know either through Google or through one of the chatbots, right? And I mean, uh, soon it will, I think it will turn into the next level where all those things will be generated by an AI tool. And here's your website containing all the information that people are looking for. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's almost like uh, if I am going to have 10,000 visitors to my site, I'm going to have 10,000 different versions of my site. Well, if it is not something you are required to do, why do you care? <laughs> and that's the right use case for AI. That's what you should use AI for, right? Let AI do the mundane work. You relax and meditate. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I'm the... again going back to my yesterday's conversation. I love right? it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's important. I think it's important. What do you think about our children and how they're going to use? I mean, I already am amazed at how my children use the web. For instance, my children think it's very, I have, I have preteens. My children think it's very weird to type something into a search bar. For them, it's a Siri or a Google Assistant conversation. It's yes, not. Yes, that's right. So for them, it's very weird to post your pictures onto Facebook. For them, it's a quick Snapchat message with funny videos. You know, it's it's. And and I, I just wonder what this means ten years from now for our preteens who will then be twenty somethings. And what are your thoughts on that? You would have heard that. You know, my I I have a twenty five year old son. Once he called me, he said, oh, this requires me to mail a check. What is a check? And 
how do I mail it? So I think, <laughs> I mean, now I, I was surprised at first, but then of course I, I, because I mean, there was a time several years ago when I was back home in India, my dad had to teach me. And I mean, how do you do these things? And so it's, it's, I never had a chance to teach him because it was not needed. They were all doing using Apple Pay, Google Pay, all these things, you know, the apps they have on their phones. So I, I did take time to teach him. But I think same thing will happen with the future generation. They would not know things that we know today. It's same as, like, I'm sure your parents or my parents, I mean, they, they all go, oh, good old days, we used to walk to our office or we used to walk to my school and, you know, there was a river, I used to swim through the river and this. I mean, it's every generation has to do things which previous generation didn't do. Or, or sorry, the other way that every generation had to do things, uh, which I think previous every generation didn't do things which previous generation did, <laughs> yes. right? I mean, they evolved from the previous generation yes. in in the method of I mean, in in various in accomplishing the same task. I mean, my dad used to tell me I would take a big bag and walk to my school. By the time I started going to school in India, by the way, it was and I would take a bicycle, and my son was uh, getting dropped uh, either in a school bus or me and my wife taking him to school in the car. So I think a future generation will have an autonomous car or something and take them to school. I think we should be fine with it. We shouldn't worry about it. I think it's just that we should be prepared that one day they are going to ask you, tell me that also, what you did, because I there are still 1% of the use cases where I have to mail a check, stand in the line, the US Postal Service to receive a parcel. So you be prepared to teach them that. You shouldn't forget it. I still think, Sanjay, I still think how for the first time there is a machine that is smarter than you are. Like I think up until now, the, it's an exponential increase. Up until now, I think even my parents who are in their 70s, I'm going to guess now, and this is, this is just some speculation. I'm going to guess that my parents still think that they're smarter than Google because they still have to type something yes. into the search bar. And Google is in service to them. I think with, with ChatGPT, it's a very early indication that we are dealing with a, a thing uh, that has knowledge dissemination that is just infinitely more than we can imagine. So uh, I just, I think it'll be very interesting to see how our children grow up with like a, oh, nothing that I know is smarter than this thing that can answer any question, any way, can understand anything. So I just wonder how that impacts not only our children as human beings, but as future employees. No, that's very well said. I, I think you're making think. Yeah, you're right. I think that's, I, I agree with. I, I think I do remember reading a study of, I think what these Gen Zs or millennials who, who were born in the iPhone era. I mean, who, I, you know, I'm missing now the year, I'm not able to place, let's say Gen Zs, I mean, who didn't know the world before iPhone. So for them, everything was touchscreen. I mean, touchscreen was also a, a, an evolution of sorts. So for them, everything, anything that didn't have touchscreen or cannot do things uh, in an automated way, I mean, it's a useless thing. So I, I think there some psychologists already talk about some issues with that generation, feeling they are... Um, they're privileged. They are, I shouldn't say mental health issues, but there are some behavioral things in them which are very peculiar to that generation. So what you're talking about, I, I agree. I think I, I think these, like we have certain respect for people who could know possibly more than us. And uh, 
I mean, we're inspired by them. We feel, and now you're, we are talking about that, that with AI, we'll give that role or give that position to a machine. So I'll not listen to my dad if I have to figure out when to write a check or how to write a check and mail. I will just ask Chat GPT or an AI machine. Dad has no role in my life now. And what is, yeah, what is poor dad going to do? And what, how the relationship with the, so I guess that relationship also has to evolve beyond things to do. I, my son will not ask me to teach him cricket or baseball, but <laughs> now he can learn from a machine possibly, right? I guess. I, I don't know whether you follow cricket uh, being from South Africa. I but follow cricket religiously. My, me too. <laughs> okay, yeah. I still subscribe to Willow TV and I watch all the five-day yeah. tests that I can watch. I have them on in the background and I just enjoy, I enjoy that. I think the other challenge with kind of as we think about the domain-specific AI is right now for us it's a the accessibility of going to a website, chatting with ChatGPT. Now ChatGPT has the mobile app. But if you start having little devices on your desk or little simulations of human heads talking to you or I don't know what it's going to look like, that information and that conversation becomes a lot more accessible. It's really fascinating to think how it's going to program the brain, the human brain, in terms of how to behave around a super intelligent machine. So it brings me to your point in a way, which is, you know, now it's like, how are our relationships challenged? If I'm sitting here talking to you, knowing that my son has full access, my, all three of my kids have full access to an infinitely knowable knowledge machine, and they're not going to come to me for asking about even questions of morality, which we discussed yesterday. What does that mean for our relationship? Where do we invest? What do we talk about? And then like you said, what if there's a contention in terms of, Dad, I know you said this, but my buddy ChatGPT <laughs> said something else. Buddy is a good name for that uh, a new app on, you know, for using ChatGPT in the background. My buddy says this, and this is more intelligent than you are. But I think that's uh, take me back I, as I'm thinking. I'm, by the way, loving this. I'm learning as much as I think people, our listeners are perhaps enjoying or learning out of this, that I think it will force us to evolve our relationship in ways that we cannot imagine today. And I don't know whether I have answers to this, uh, but I it's, it's definitely food for thought. Maybe that's a bot will make the food that we will all eat together. We'll spend more time in things. I love that ad of, I think, Budweiser it is, that a robot is doing all the things to make beer, pack beer, all this stuff, and then it goes to a restaurant. It watches these friends are enjoying and laughing while having the beer. I don't know whether you, you've seen that. And I think he looks at it and he says, what is that? He says, what is this laughter all about? I don't know. And I, I think perhaps that's the future. We'll spend more time in having fun more time in thinking deeply, more time in evolving ourselves spiritually uh, and uh, in ways that we cannot imagine today. So as we wrap up, Sanjay, the, tell me about how you're CEOing MSIS through this, you know, because you're a product engineering group. So clearly you are building tools, you are talking to customers, you're in the enterprise space. 
What are you seeing and how are you CEOing your people through this type of revolution? See, uh, TNV, fortunately or incidentally, we had started our AI practice a few years ago. And I am sorry to say that there were not many takers for it. We had one customer and that made us look into this closely. And we hired some people and we started developing. We have built our own chat chat bot. Uh, We call it Kavi, K-A-V-I. It's not as intelligent as chat GPT, but it was more like a domain-specific AI, not generative. And we use we had some application and in many customer calls we demoed that to our clients in in, in healthcare field and other fields and all I think a couple of healthcare customers did uh, deploy that but we didn't find many takers so we slowly kind of losing interest we say maybe time is we are too early maybe time is not right and now of course boom now everybody is asking for it but still people are not able to figure out how they're going to use it in their environment. And I'm sure they're going to figure out in the next few quarters. And as there will be always some leaders, some laggards, I mean, so leaders perhaps are already implementing in the back room and laggards are what will you know come to us possibly. I don't know. But I think it's, it's I see this is going to change the way we do things. And uh, companies like uh, ours need to be ready. And I cannot say that we are fully ready, but we are getting there and we are fortifying our, minting our abilities to do AI implementation and, and get our people trained in machine learning tools and all so that we are ready to help our clients. I love it, Sanjay. I, I'm really sorry we didn't connect while I was in Atlanta, but I look forward to staying in touch with you. This is very, very helpful. Look forward to it. And I also spend a good bit of time in India. So ever if you ever come there, please uh, look us up. and. Uh, we'll get together. That wraps up this episode of the CTO podcast. Thanks to Sanjay Segal, CEO at MSIS for joining us. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to ctopod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your stories of technical strategy and leadership in the C-suite, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the CTO podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is 7CTOs on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's the number 7 and CTOs. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Bruin, E-T-D-E-B-R-U-I-N. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of CTO Brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that if things aren't breaking, your company isn't growing. (laughs) 